And he's funny. Time for the show. We live in a divided world, divided religiously, politically, and economically. Oftentimes in our world, we want to run away from tough conversations that divide us about grief, pain, and loss. We want to avoid topics like shame, guilt, and pride. We'd rather escape to our phones instead of engaging in real conversations. I know this because I do this. So I created the Winter Faith Podcast. The Winter Faith Podcast is focused on creating conversations to promote spiritual and emotional growth through faith, apathy, and everything in between. So, let's talk to each other. Yet more importantly, let's listen to each other. Let's continue the conversation. My name is Andy, and I have Winter Faith. All right, guys, welcome to tonight's show. I am recording this. It is Tuesday evening, October 27th at 9.52 p.m., so I am up late tonight, and I am thinking about Jesus for President. So I am Jesus for President Part 3. Jesus for President Part 3, so thanks for tuning in. One of the things that we've had recently as we look at this election, is the debates. They finished up the third presidential debate. And as I've been thinking about, you know, how to talk about this, I was thinking that, you know, the debate is such an interesting idea for the presidency because I don't actually think the debate has really any bearing on the election, historically speaking. And also, I'm not sure what debating has to do with being the president of the United States. To me, debating is more about a show. It's more about a crowd. It's more about an audience and kind of how two men, or in 2016, a woman and a man, uh, Hillary and um, Donald, that they're looking at you know, how they can one-up each other which is very capitalistic, it's very, you know, one-on-one, it's very, I guess, American in, in one sense of a word. But I was thinking, does it really have anything to do with the presidency in order to knock down somebody, in order to be one-upping somebody, in order to have this appeal to, to kind of go against someone? So I was really thinking about this idea of what the debate is and what it has to do with anything. And, you know, Jesus, I wouldn't say offered, um, you know, a lot of critique on what debating is. But when I was thinking about Jesus for president, I was thinking about this times when Jesus teaches people with questions. So somebody almost interviews him. Somebody asks him a question and, and he'll give a parable or he'll give a teaching to address the issue. And there's so many times that this happens in scripture, that Jesus is asked a question by the Sadducees, that Jesus is asked a question by the Pharisees, that Jesus is asked a question by the disciples. There's so many times in scripture. 
and I can't really get into like all the examples, but if you look at the Gospels, if you look at John, if you look at Luke, the Synoptic Gospels or the, the Book of John, like you'll see all the questions. And they really lived in a time where two Jewish rabbis would have, you know, a different opinion on a certain interpretation of the law of Moses. And so Jesus was kind of placed in this category as a great teacher, and so people wanted to ask him his opinion on various things. I was thinking about this in terms of, if, you know, a semi-debate or sort of a debate when, when Jesus answered these questions. And one of the questions that gets asked to Jesus in John chapter 9 is the disciples come and they say, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents because he was born blind so if you're born blind people what we are learning from scripture i'm not going into anything other than scripture what we've learned by this verse these two verses in john chapter 9 verse uh, 1 and 2 the disciples are looking at a person that's blind and the disciples are saying who sinned this man or his parents they're obviously is so much thought and so much philosophy, so much theology, so much history. There is so much packed into these two verses. And this idea that somebody did something wrong, somebody not only did something wrong, but somebody sinned. A lot of times we use the word mistake to replace sin, which I don't think is good. Let's call sin, sin. Let's call a mistake, a mistake. Um, sin is more than a mistake to me. So in this, they say, who sinned? this man or his parents because he was born blind so obviously something is wrong this person's born blind so there's something theologically wrong there's something philosophically wrong somebody sinned this was not just a coincidence that was the teaching that was the normal standard for looking at somebody that was blind looking at somebody that was crippled looking at somebody that was born a gentile looking at somebody that was born a woman the common, you know, go-to, who did something wrong? Who did something wrong? Jesus often was about inclusive and being inclusive more than being exclusive, in my opinion. We do have comments where Jesus says, I'm the only one, I'm the only way, I'm the truth and the light. But when we look at his ministry, he's talking about his exclusive um, salvation, but it is inclusive in how he gives his salvation out. He gives it to Gentiles. He gives it to women. He gives it to tax collectors. He gives it to the rich. He gives it to the poor. So we have to look at how Jesus was condemned for who he invited, who he asked to come along with him, far more than who he excluded. He really didn't exclude anyone which is, you know, something kind of amazing uh, to think about. So in this story, this is about the message of who sinned. And Jesus says, neither man sinned. His parents didn't sin, and the man did not sin. Then he goes on, and he says, this happened, so being, bo being born blind... This happened that the works of God might be displayed in him. Think about that. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. I've never heard a debate answer 
like that. And I'm sure the disciples never heard an answer like that. Something terrible has happened, in their opinion. And Jesus is saying, this happened so that the work of God might be displayed. I always say, God is going to use us whether we like it or not. We can either be a good example for God or a bad example for God, but God's going to use us. God used Moses and God used Pharaoh. Um, when I look at different presidents, God used all those presidents, good and bad. Now, I do think you can gain more being a good example. God can use more with a good example than with a bad example. That's just my opinion. You might disagree with that. Did God do more with Moses or did God do more with Pharaoh? That's, you know, for me, God did more with Moses than he did with Pharaoh because he was willing. And so in this story, you know, we have this belief that Jesus is going to correct that this terrible thing happened so that we might see God at work. For some of us, when we look at the polling right now in America, a very divided nation, just like 2000, just like 2004, just like 2008, it is very divided. But there seems to be a passion that is different in 2020. There seems to be a little bit of America that's a lot more unhinged by this current um, election. I have one friend who thinks there's going to be a civil war. I don't think there's going to be a civil war, but there has been, I don't know, I've been watching videos and it's probably kind of discouraging, but I've been watching videos of kind of Trump rallies versus anti-Trump rallies and the violence and the police getting involved and making arrests and people getting hurt. Um, I think about Charlottesville back in 2017, people getting hurt. Um, it's pretty sad. It's pretty sad to see, um, you know, Trump saying that the, the ballots are illegal and that um, we shouldn't be voting by mail because it's all corrupt. And not saying, you know, he's not going to accept the results. He, he wants to wait and see what the results are. Just all sorts of things that I think, wow, we are in a different place. We are in a different place today. And I just think, you know, it's really, it's really a struggle sometimes to see the good, maybe, when you think everything is going down. You know, right now, there's people that if if Biden is elected president, he thinks it's going to be, you know, a terrible, terrible um, problem for, for America. And, you know, we're going to go into a depression. And then there's people, if Trump is, is reelected, it's going to be terrible, terrible. And, you know, God's not going to be able to overcome it the church isn't going to be able to overcome it that you know america is going to be even deeper and deeper in in um kind of like racist policies and anger and um unwillingness to trust media and so there's you know just kind of a lot on both sides and i do have my uh, you know opinions and i think that you know people vote for for who they want to vote for and and I talked about this in the last episode that I really think that who's going to take care of the poor better 
who's going to take care of the health of our nation better and who's going to help our nation grieve in a time that we are really, really hurting and really divided and, and really, um, I think, depressed. And, and, you know, when I look at the issues that in mental health that were happening during COVID-19 in the mental health of, um, um, you know, black Americans and white Americans that stand up for black Americans and just kind of the, the threat of, um, violence, I think just overall, whether who wins the presidency, I think it can be so easy to be really, really discouraged. And I look at like, oh, this is bad. Like this is really bad for our country. And I'm reminded of what Jesus says that, okay, when I look at something and I see that, you know, right now America seems to have a huge blind spot. (laughs) And Jesus says, neither this, you know, neither this or that sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed. And I, I, I think there is a hopeful message there that Jesus was very inspiring and he knew when to say the right thing at the right time. When I think about wisdom, wisdom is being able to say the right thing at the right time. And I think that is really, really something that I have to hold on to that sometimes I do have to speak. And then I think of this other example, which is Jesus in front of Pilate. Jesus in front of Pilate, and he is going to stand up and kind of give his defense. And what happens is Jesus says nothing. Um, Jesus says nothing in his defense before he's crucified. So he seemed to pick these moments of when to speak up and when to be silent. And I think right now I'm feeling like God's calling me to, to speak up more and talk more. Because I do think it can be so difficult and, and we are, you know, very passionate about, you know, who should who should win this election. Um, I don't know too many people that are, that don't have strong views about it one way or another. But I do just want, again, to, to speak about, like, what is Jesus trying to teach us? What is God trying to teach us in um, this moment? And when I think of, like, the, the great people, the great debaters, or the great teachers that know how to speak and know how to be silent, um, I think that that is what I'm really wrestling with because I feel like so many people don't want me to speak and I think that can be so discouraging like I talked about I'm recording this much much later in the evening and and really I I think wrestling with okay when should I what should I say I'm so nervous you know I think I think this issue in particular is just so difficult and and hopefully people listen all the way through hopefully people don't just look at the title and get away from that subject, but we really dive into, okay, what is a Christian supposed to do? Um, Is a Christian only supposed to vote on one issue? Is a Christian only supposed to vote with, um, you know, what the um, Pope says? 
or what some strong Christian leader um, says. When I look at um, David Lipscomb that I've talked about before, David Lipscomb really, really thought that human governments were evil and that we should not participate in, in evil human governments. And so I, you know, I think about that too. And, and, you know, okay, when Jesus says neither, does that mean we shouldn't support the red or the blue? You know, I just think that can be a simple, simple definition for people, but I don't think it's that easy because I do think that, you know, you want your voice to be heard, but obviously you don't want your Christianity to be swallowed up by your political party. And I think so many people have let, left um, left up to their own devices, have just let politics swallow up their faith, um, that we've totally forgotten that the Christian faith is the one that's supposed to fo- swallow up politics. When another um, example is, as Jesus was approached and said, hey, you know, what, you know, should a Christian, should a, you know, should we pay taxes? They didn't have Christians back then, but, you know, people that followed the way, the way of Jesus, should they pay taxes? And he said, give to Caesars what is Caesars, give to God what is God's. And they were trying to trap him. And I think so often people are trying to, you know, trap us or trap me specifically into one um, way of thinking. But to have your own mind and be like, what is God's? And what is Caesar's? And Jesus often spoke against Caesar. He often spoke against Rome. He often spoke against religious um, leaders and kind of the strong men of his society. But he never did it violently. And he never um, did it to promote violence as some Jewish leaders did. If you look up... um, the Maccabean Revolution, you can see when, when the Jewish people tried to rise up against Rome and were defeated. So we have to think about, okay, what is our way of kind of being a Christian, living in America, doing what we think is right, and to not be swallowed up by our, um, to not be swallowed up by our politic. And I think it's really, really difficult, and I just keep coming back to Jesus saying, blessed are the poor. And I keep thinking the most important issue for me is how we take care of those that are underserved and under um, blessed, underutilized, underpaid in our society. And who's going to do a better job um, taking care of those that are kind of on the low end of our society um, in status-wise and financial means, you know, just all the, the different things. And it's just, you know, it's, it's just something that I continue to wrestle with. And I think Jesus and scripture and God and my community just continues to challenge me to think, okay, what is my role in this? And I just keep coming back to like, as you know, wherever you are on the political spectrum, spectrum and however bad you think it's going to be, if your team loses, you know, the red team, the blue team, if your team loses, how are you going to respond? And I just keep thinking that Jesus said this happened so that the works of God might be displayed. What is the work that God is going to do with our church, with our marriages, 
with our um, families? What are the things that God can do in a terribly divided, hostile time, I think, in our country? And maybe you can debate with me. I'll take feedback. I'll take questions. But to me, you can watch videos on YouTube. You can see stuff going on in the streets. This is different than than other elections. Um, you look at the voter turnout so far, you know, people are obviously interested. And so I just, I, I don't know. I hope there's something encouraging in you, in, in this for you. I'm really processing a lot of stuff. I'm trying to do a good um, critique and a good job of just being able to kind of speak my truth. And my big question is who's going to take care of the poor? Because when Jesus makes his big address in Jesus for President that we've talked about, you know, Jesus says in in the book of Luke, like, I've come to take care of the poor. I've come to bring good news to the poor. And I just want somebody who realizes that's the most important thing to me, um, to have a, um, a servant leader that understands grief, that understands loss, that understands pain, um, that understands that people are really, really hurting, um, not only, you know, physically, but also emotionally and mentally. And so I think that, you know, this is what I keep coming back to, and I, I want to read it here as I close. So Luke, and this is kind of what I view as the big, this the big, big sermon that Jesus gives. He says, the Spirit of the Lord has come on me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, to give recovery of sight to the blind, and to release the oppressed. That's what we need to be doing. That's what we need to be voting for. That's what we need to be focused on. Who is going to give sight to the blind? So, I really appreciate everybody listening to this episode. As always, I welcome feedback, and uh, I will talk to you uh, next Tuesday. All right, thanks. Today's artwork was done by Dominique Frazier. The intro was done by Scarlet Fox. The music you're listening to, Josh Cleveland. And the creator and editor and producer of the Winter Faith Podcast, yours truly, Andy Frazier. Well, you did it again. You spent your time listening to my show. You probably could have spent this time playing games or binging Game of Thrones on your phone. But instead, you spent it with me, so I thank you for your time. If you haven't already, downloaded and subscribed to the Winter Faith Podcast on Anchor. If you haven't already, please leave a review on iTunes with good, bad, or ugly feedback. Also, please consider supporting the show on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. However, I do accept Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, and any other way you want to contribute to the show financially. Okay, my commercials are done. Andy, out.